Kings of the Podcast, episode 144. This is actually episode one of our annual holiday hat trick, Dennis Bernstein. Yes. yes. Uh, our gift to the listeners. <laughs> there you and, go. And even the donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're in the giving mood. We are absolutely in the we giving are. mood. Give to live now, hearts, this is uh, <laughs> until it hurts. Okay. Um, that's a lot of giving, Dennis. That's, I don't know it's if I want to go that far. So generous. Exactly. Uh, this is an interesting episode because episode 144, our guest is number 44. Mikey Anderson is going to join us. And he actually, speaking of joining, he joins a small list of LA Kings players who have appeared on the podcast more than once. So we sort yes. of like to do during our initial interview with most players, we do sort of a, this is your life. When we go deep and we talk about their time in juniors or college or, you know, high school friends or whatever. And we dig up a lot of fun facts uh, and, and we go deep on the stories and we, it's more like a personality profile than it is a hockey True. interview. Mikey yep. coming back on now the second time around, uh, we can focus more on hockey. And, and Dennis, as somebody who has covered him since the time the Kings drafted him, I've done a lot of the Mikey Anderson background stories before during his time as a prospect when he was in the prospect rankings. Now he's just a regular old NHL dude. and We can just talk NHL hockey with him. Uh, so we'll see where that conversation goes. Why don't we kick things off with a little numerology? Uh, we have listeners who tweet us and, and get after us all the time and, and remind us that we don't do numerology as much as we used to, and they love it. They want to hear about it. So number 44 is an interesting player, excuse me, an interesting number, Dennis, if you're uh, superstitious at all. It has been worn by 13 different players in mm. LA Kings history. Ron Duguay is the one that always sort of uh, going back into the early earlier times with the LA Kings um, sort of gives me a chuckle because when I think of Ron Duguay, I actually think of being in New York and stepping off the elevator at MSG uh, during a morning skate one time when the Kings were, were playing there. And uh, there was Ron Duguay looking as fresh as ever with his, uh, yes. you know, I mean, we think Jim Fox has nice hair. Ron Duguay. Oh, he, has, he had the best hair. Oh he God. had quite the flow. So yes, uh, he wore it. And, and of course, and when he I, wore no, it when, when, when wingers really and Fords didn't really wear higher numbers right? yeah it's um, more of a, an advent nowadays as opposed to back then because i think he was number 10 with the rangers so well he was with the kings uh i'm talking about uh, 88 to 89 and immediately following that a couple years later uh john mcintyre number 44 he wore that king and mcintyre sort of reminds me a little bit of carl grunstrom i'm wondering if any longtime kings fans who remember uh johnny mac will will think of grunstrom when they think of 44 he had that little sort of 
under the radar physical edge about him. He wasn't Warren Reichel, for example, um, but he he was he was somebody who pl- sort of played that style. Um, you got a couple of other numbers in there, uh, guys who wore forty four. Of course, Yannick Perot wore that number. Dave Babich, Modri, uh, a defenseman, uh, more more along the lines of uh, what you would expect from a forty four. Laurie Tukkanen, back in two thousand seven, one of those early high draft picks uh, that didn't didn't pan out for the LA Kings. Davis Drewiski, who Whiskey. I had commun- yeah, I, you know, I had communicated with him via text. He moved back to Wisconsin, and I had communicated with him a couple years ago when we first launched the program, and we were trying to get some dates on him, and it just never his schedule and our schedule. You know, DB, you're always so busy with your traveling yeah, the world, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, couldn't yeah. make it work. But maybe we loop back to Davis Drewiski. We should. We can, we can talk about uh, his time here in Los Angeles. Robin Regeer, um, that's a number or a player that we should be talking about right now with Daryl Sutter coming in town with the Calgary Flames. He was a big Robin Regeer fan, and Regeer certainly uh, made an impact with the LA Kings. For somebody who was here for just a short period of time, Dennis, he, he certainly he put his stamp on things. He certainly did. He was a great defensive defenseman and uh, retired, I think, right after uh, they won. So it's a really interesting player and one that uh, one of the, again, one of the more successful trades by uh, Dean Lombardi. Yeah. And really was the right player that they needed at that time. Uh, if, yeah. if somehow GM Rob Blake could, could find that, you know, we always talk about that defenseman, that elusive left side defenseman that he's looking for. Sure. If he could, if he could find somebody to check the boxes of what they need right now, compared to the way that Robin Regeer checked those boxes, that would be a highly successful trade. And then here's somebody who wasn't with the LA Kings long, and I think he's going to go down in history as one of those players that most people won't even remember that he spent time in Los Angeles. That would be Vinny LeCavier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. He had a he had a nice short run, John. So. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. that's that's our summary. Okay, and of course we talked about number forty-four uh, back towards the beginning of the year because we had Nate Thompson on who had signed uh, to come on, you know, in a tryout agreement during training camp with the LA Kings. He's now with the Ontario Reign, and he's been getting quite a bit of playing time recently. As guys like Kapari have been shuffled up uh, to the LA Kings, it's opened up a spot for Nate Thompson, who was getting sort of uh, a, pl- a platoon treatment, if you will, earlier mm-hmm. in the year, but he's been getting regular rotation as the 3C for coach Marco Sturm down with the Ontario Reign. Uh, he, Nate, that is, wore the number 2018-19 uh, uh, season. It's It's been all about Mikey Anderson uh, since then, 2020 to, to current. Uh, Mikey Anderson has been wearing number 44. So we won't ask him about um, the usage of number 44 uh, when, when we have him on. I don't really think there's a reason to ask him. I think we can move on from numerology, Dennis. We can, John. We can go on to the next topic. How about we go to another (laughs) Dennis? You're in a weird mood today. I'm just going to go up. I'm going to, I'm going to call it right now. I'm not sure where you're going. You're normally I can peg the vibe that you're in, but today I'm not sure. So I'm good. Are you? Okay. We'll see where the episode goes. I'm pristine, baby. Let's go. Okay. All right. Um, Saddle up. I'll give you another number then. Number 23. Very important number in the history of the Los Angeles yes, Kings. Yes. It's set to go to the rafters uh, here on February 11th. If I have my dates correct, that'll be against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, how about we how about we break a little bit of news or talk for a moment about the retirement uh, and what's going to be happening? Because I can give you a little sneak peek of something from what I hear. Former L.A. King Matthias Nordstrom is going to be in town. He will be one of the uh, one of the. 
Luminaries, one of the former yes. LA Kings who will be Luminaries, joining in that, on the festivities. We used the right way, correct. Yes. Good, thank you. <laughs> Are you. Have you ever been about to say something and then your brain stops you and go, wait a minute, is that the right word? Is that right? Exactly. <laughs> I, you actually saw my brain working in real time. So yes, uh, Matthias Nordstrom. And here's an interesting tidbit about Matthias, Matthias Nordstrom. Um, he is a common thread to the uh, three most common or, or, or most recent, excuse me, uh, jerseys that will be retired in Los Angeles. He, of course, played with Rob Blake. He played with Luke Robitaille and then now with Dustin Brown as well. So there's a common thread. What number did he wear, Dennis? Speaking of numbers, do you know? Who? Matisse Nordstrom? <laughs> well, if I'm asking you if you know which number Dustin Brown wore, we're in big trouble, Dennis. Yes. 23. Good job. 14. Come on. 14. I, 14. Yes. yes. Matthias Nordstrom. Two touchdowns. All right. So um, it'll be great to have him uh, in town along with a handful of other players. Now, here's the thing, Dennis. Earlier uh, in the week, there was an announcement by the LA Kings, and there were some special ticket packages that were made available. And some fans uh, were a little confused. Uh, by some of the word choices. And so want to make sure that everybody knows Dustin Brown is getting his own standalone statue because there was um, you can buy yes. an inscription on the yep. 50th anniversary monument on a special Dustin Brown sort of section of that. And so there was some confusion. Yeah, right. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. Is there just going to be like, you know, is Brownie's statue going to be some sort of alteration to the 50th anniversary uh, um, monument? And the answer is no. They're sort of two standalone things. So uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, there is, I call it a water feature. I don't know what what other people call it. I guess it's the 50th mm -hmm. anniversary monument. Um, but there there is a, it takes us through time. It has uh, some of the greatest players from, the 50 year uh, 50 years of the LA Kings it's on the beyond the what the southwest side of the building i guess mm -hmm. uh, closest to the 110 freeway and you you know fans like to stop there and they take pictures and pictures sure the far right side of it has like a waterfall or mm -hmm. some water feature and then then rising into the sky are, are the players that won the cup you know capped off with brownie holding the cup up and well and then on the left side of that going on the wall i guess you would say going south in that black marble season ticket holders yeah. have their names etched in that wall okay. and i'm sort of stitching together the wording dennis that was in the email uh that went out it basically they're going to be doing some sort of a of, of a dustin brown i don't know maybe they're going to etch in his number being retired or something that that yeah. logo i don't know i'm just guessing uh and fans who didn't participate or season ticket holders when when that original wall went up, you now can pay money and, you know, you can yeah. uh, get, get your name. Yes, exactly. you can get your name carved into that. So there are a few different places at, at I was about to say Staples at Crypto.com Arena where fans can have, you know, you see that in baseball stadiums, too. Like you have bricks and stuff like when yep. you're at Anaheim yep. Stadium. Sure. The, the a lot bricks. Of, a lot of places Do the Rams have that at SoFi? Is there a place where fans can have their name? On a wall or on a brick or something? I don't think so because the stadium's too new. So I don't think there's a plaza. I mean, there's a huge plaza. There's the YouTube theater. There's a lot of different places. But yeah, I don't. I don't believe there is right now. But okay. it's it's commonplace now, John. Yeah, you're right. A lot of different stadiums. More, I think, more baseball stadiums 
where the where you the entry walkway you, you see bricks with people's names on them and stuff so well they have that over at star plaza they had it from the very beginning when staples center first opened there right, there right. are t- a yes. bunch of bricks yeah. in front of like team la and whatever and mm-hmm. then there also are those 12 by 12 black granite uh special bricks if you will that in like a certain walkway area right over near uh near gretzky's statue so closer to the doors not not up front near the sidewalk where where Luke right. Robitaille's statue is. But anyway, so that's what's going on with uh, Dustin Brown. More to come uh, on that on that front. There is going to be a statue unveiling uh, earlier in the day on February 11th, of course, prior to uh, prior to the game that night against Pittsburgh. And then just a few days later on February 15th, the Kings are having and this is a pretty big deal uh, because it's it, it hasn't existed for the last couple of years and fans love this. They're going to have that, I guess, meet the players party. I don't know exactly what they're calling it this year, um, but mm-hmm. fans will be able to once again interact with the players and, you know, take pictures and get autographs and all that sort of cool stuff that um, they like to do. So we're back, baby, just like we talked about last time in Las Vegas. Uh, some of these That's events right. back, that have been back to normalcy. Let's go. Let's start yeah. getting all these events done and and just just pushing on. We are moving on, Dennis. Uh, speaking of moving on, though, why don't we do a quick recap uh, since our last episode, the Kings have have played. And, mm-hmm. Dennis, you're supposed to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. If you're a legit mm-hmm. playoff team, beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And I yeah. don't think it's a stretch to say that the Kings should beat the Ducks, right? The, duck, yes. the Ducks are, they're fighting for Connor Bedard. Let, let's, let's call it what right. it is. They are. Okay. Uh, the Kings are fighting for the playoffs. So these are two mm-hmm. separate teams and the Kings needed to win and they needed to win. I would say in convincing or dominant fashion, it's not about just getting two points in overtime. They, they needed to beat the ducks. Um, yeah. Give, give us your assessment. Obviously drew Dowdy with this, with his folks in town for the holidays. He, he rewarded them with the power play goal to kick things off. Uh, but, but what else, what else did you walk away from Tuesday night thinking? Well, I know some fans will say it out there because Todd's still the coach, but you know that those things happen when when you were never going to get fired to start with. Uh, first things first, uh, John. Two weeks ago, they lose that game because it goes to one-one. They get goalied. They go to overtime and lose the game. Like this is okay. now, and, and we've talked to Todd about that, and he's probably taught, tired of her uh, talking about the word identity. But this is the type. This is the type of play that they had last season when they won games. They control the game. So, and the Kings' response after Vetrano scored um, was great. They they really shut that team down. And you're right, they should shut that team down. That should have been an easier game. But Dostal played very well in net. He made some big saves. Uh, Kaliev probably should have had a hat trick. That's what Todd said last night. That you know, he had great opportunities, couldn't finish at the net. But this is a game they controlled and they won going away and. You see the value of Arvidsson and Ayafalo, who, like him or not, I think it should be a trade chip. He, he's important to this team. So, But my biggest takeaway, John, is the final goal. There's a handful of players in this league that can do what Kevin Fiala did line on that fourth goal, where he shrugged off two, not one, but two players. One guy didn't even have a stick because Vetrano broke, broke his stick. So he was just trying to tackle him. And to flip that puck in the back of the net, we haven't – and I talked to Foxy about this today – we really haven't seen this type of player in Los Angeles for a very long time. Maybe Ziggy Poffy, but Ziggy was a he was he had great moves and great touch around that, but he wasn't as powerful as skater. He wasn't as fast as Fiala. This is legitimate. That was a special play last night. I'm saying this play is special, but he is among the best and most talented players on wing I've ever seen for this franchise. 
Well, he's dynamic in, in the sense that he can do so much, right? Not dynamic in terms of exciting, um, but he's somebody who does things at every end of the ice. He's involved. Some of the moves are spectacular. And when I tweeted that out last night, I was expecting uh, sort of one of two replies. I tweeted out last night, by the way, that Fiala was the best winger in Los Angeles since Palfi. Um, mm -hmm. And I was expecting one of two replies, either recent fans or recency bias, at least to kick in and people ask about Tyler Toffoli. Um, <laughs> and as somebody who covered Toffoli extensively, I can say mm -hmm. his biggest issue was consistency. Tyler Toffoli right. should have been a 35 goal scorer. It, you, you should have been able to pencil him in for 35 goals every single yep. year. Um, and that, and that just, he didn't bring the consistency. Uh, but I think most people listening to the program know my thoughts on, on Toffoli. Uh, and and what a special relationship he had with LA King with the LA Kings and uh, he by the way great great podcast if you didn't listen to that please mm -hmm. go back into the uh, archives and listen to to Foley who was in Montreal at the time uh, ironically he was a road game in that Montreal was playing in Calgary when he came on and did the podcast but my point is he came on as a former LA King and we did some reminiscing and uh, it was a lot of fun Dennis I enjoyed that interview yeah. and I thought to Foley was very very transparent uh, and, and didn't need to be at that point so. I always enjoy when players come on after they've left the organization and they really open up and, and, and reflect on their time here. But uh, my point was I expected people to talk about one of really three players. Uh, I didn't think I'd get very many Kempe replies only because it was one season last year. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I did expect some Toffoli replies. And I also uh, expected some Justin Williams replies because when people think of, of wingers in Los Angeles, they, of course, uh, again, back to number 14, Dennis, uh, Justin mm -hmm. Williams. A different type of 14 than Nordstrom. Uh, but yeah. uh, I, and the surprise reply that I received was Froloff. Um, I'm, Fro I'm sorry, people. I would not include I would not include Froloff. I think somebody uh, included uh, being more Gabrick, dynamic. Though. Gabrick. Uh, Gabrick wasn't in the lineup more you know, consistently. Yeah, so the body yeah, of work is too small. Yeah, too small. Um, You're right. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's certainly that one playoff run and the seven game mm -hmm. series against the Ducks. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can't deny Gabrick's impact that particular year, but Agreed. the ending was just so sour, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, sure. and the injuries and, and the ice cream and, you know, all the exactly. all the different things. Uh, yep. Paul, the, the those wounds aren't healed yet. So time heals oh, all okay. wounds and any wounds left over from Ziggy Palfi have all been healed up. <laughs> so, uh Look, let, forget about the past, though. Let's just talk about Kevin Fiala, uh, yeah. Dennis. He he is everything this team has needed, and it's yeah. exciting to hear Kopitar and Fiala talk positively about their line and their partnership and their chemistry. And earlier in the year, it was a little bit of like deer in the headlights. Yeah. Neither one wanted to say because they probably couldn't articulate like why it wasn't working. But now they're a little mm -hmm. bit more openly talking about how it is working and how it's developing. And you sort of can see visually the comfort level on their face. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I think the one thing that Fiala, usually it's Kopi providing to the rest of the players on the team. Here's where the script flips a little bit, John, because Fiala makes Kopitar a better player. And maybe Justin Williams was that type of player. Cause you talk to Kopi, he loved playing with Justin Williams. He said that Justin understood his game more than anybody else. But Fiala can make Kopitar a better player. It's late in his career, and Kopi's, you know, obviously going to go to Hall of Fame and have his jersey retired. But he he's one of those unique type of players that can make his centers better, and he can dominate a game from the wing. And I'm not comparing him to Patrick Kane, but th there are a few players that can take control of a game 
like Fiala has. And granted, it's early. It's only been 30 games in. But every, like you mentioned, everything advertised. And he is a complete player because he's entertaining. He's dangerous. The, the opposition has to account for him. And, yeah, he's going to make some bad decisions. He took a bad penalty against San Jose, and they, they wound up killing that penalty in overtime. But this is a dynamic player who's been – look, Joe, I know the salary cap's going to go up in a couple of years, but when you look back at this contract in two or three years, assuming he's on the same track, it's going to be a value contract. Like he, he has really delivered for this team, and you're right. They needed that type of player in the lineup to kind of galvanize the entire offense. Yeah. Um, back to Kalia for just a moment. You know, uh, we, we've hyped up the, the passing ability of young Arthur Kalia mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years here and a uh, beauty of a pass to set yep. up that Arvidsson goal there. That was great. Uh, you mentioned Ayafalo being a trade chip. I, I just want to clarify, you were referring to social media people wanting to trade away Ayafalo. Oh, yeah, of course. Because yeah. like, if you have to move, because they have too many forwards, they need a defenseman and and the like, but, and you, he's got a reasonable contract, but he, you yeah. can see, and all three, you know, John, you mentioned about winning the game, all three ga- goals after one, one tie or great goals. I mean, the vision mm-hmm. of Phil Deneau to throw that cross reach past the Ayafala for the finish, the great pass by Kaliev um, to, to RV and he throws out great backhand past Dostal. And then just the, you know, the virtuoso move by, uh, by Fiala. Those are pretty goals that I, I don't think fans are accustomed to seeing these type of goals it's usually grinded out rebound like the first goal was a power play goal but those are all pretty plays uh with vision with speed and with touch it it was uh it's a different type of team for sure all right so we all sort of scratched our head earlier in the season when todd moved um fiala off the first line to the Mm -hmm. third line everybody sort of went huh and it worked out really well. McClellan came out smelling like roses there for a while. The The third line was very effective, and it really balanced the scoring. Uh, now he's done it once again. Ayafalo moving into the spot where Arvidsson was previously. Ayafalo, mm-hmm. Deneau, and more. We talked about this on the last episode. You kind of scratch your head and go, oh, that's interesting. And it seems to be working out. So um, tip of the cap to Todd McClellan is what I'm saying. Yeah. He's he's come on the program and talked about coaches never stop doodling line combinations on, on napkins at restaurants and whatnot. So I don't know specifically what eatery he was at when he was <laughs> doodling those line combinations, but they certainly weren't the line combinations that I would have come up with. But kudos to him. It seems to be working. And Arvidsson and Kaliev, I mean, at least based upon last night, I'd like to see a little more of that. So I'm curious where this is all going. And then lurking in the background, of course, is Quentin Byfield. And as I reported mm-hmm. earlier in the week, he will not be up until at least next week because with the NHL sure. trade freeze in, trade freeze. Uh, in place, he is going to not be with the Kings uh, for a number of games here. The Kings have multiple games this week. They had the Ducks game. They have the Calgary game. And then the 23rd, they have the uh, reverse retro game in Arizona. And then you also have the game against Vegas on the 27th. So there's a stretch of four games right there that Byfield will not be back up for, but uh, he will eventually be back up. And to circle back again to Todd, the original idea was for it to be uh, Ayafalo with Byfield and Kaliev. And then later we thought that in place of Kaliev, it might be Velarde. But who knows at this point, it might be Victor Arvidsson for all we know, Dennis. Yeah. And it wasn't random, John, because a couple of things. First of all, Victor went home to be with his wife. They're still waiting for the, uh, for the child to be born. Uh, so his wife's pregnant. But if you go back over the last 10 games, the the, the Deneau line with Moore and Arvidsson were not good. I think they were like minus 10 or 11 over 10 games. Like they needed to – they just needed a pause. They needed to hit the pause button. And in, that's when you have a player like I follow who can play both sides. 
he insulates you. And he, he went up there and he straightened the line out. And yeah, Victor Arvidsson might be a third line player on this team at some point, which is fine. Like it, you don't look at price tags, John, you look at effectiveness and look at chemistry. And if Kaliev can be helped by Arvidsson, all for it. And the big question again is it's keeps going back to Quentin Byfield. Where does he fit in? And, you know, does that make Gabe Velarde a fourth line player? Well, if he's on the fourth line, he gets, and he's still doing the right things, John, but if, if he's a fourth line player, that's a damn good offense. That's a dangerous offense. So I think it's nothing but positives. But again, you see the usefulness of, of both Arvidsson and I follow uh, when they're healthy. Is there a key part of this team? This is the yeah. last minute of <clears throat> play in the this period. This team is definitely more of an offensive juggernaut than anything else. And it is so strange to say that uh, when for the better part of more than a decade, Dennis, this yeah. has been a defensive first team. And it's so fascinating bringing in Ardvidsson and bringing in Deneau and how that started to change things uh, two summers ago. And then this past summer, bringing in Kevin Fiala, how that has really started to change things. And you only think about guys like Kaliev getting better, guys like Velarde getting better, Sammy Fagamo, even a Kapari potentially. Uh, you know, hey, look, we all thought that Jad was going to be ticketed back to Ontario. And, you know, has he done something to finally... Uh, cement his perhaps spot within the uh, the rotation, even if he ends up being a platoon player, uh, you know, having him up in the NHL is a different story, not just a different payday, but a different story than uh, having him down in the American Hockey League as well. So uh, speaking of Jad, DB, as we go into break here, the last time that we had our guest on Mikey Anderson, it was a two for package. We had Mikey Anderson on with Jad together. Mikey, he stands out on his own. So uh, on the other side of the break, we will have number 44 join us for his second appearance on Kings of the Park. Welcome back. Second period. We are joined now. This is his second appearance on the program. So very few LA Kings players can stake that claim. But Mikey Anderson, Mikey, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited uh, to be back on it. Well, we timed this. We, we kind of slow played it out perfectly. We waited until episode 144. We're big on numerology <laughs> here. So we, we tried to get yeah. number 44 on episode 144. So it's all worked out. Nice. Nice. Worked out perfect. The only thing from a timing perspective that would have perhaps been better, uh, you guys were recently in Buffalo. And when I think of Buffalo, I think of the outdoor game between Team USA and Canada. And of course, uh, World Juniors right around the corner here. Um, do, do you happen to think about that at all? Just uh, curious, when you're there in Minnesota, does that stir up memories for you? Yeah, we uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, on that trip. It was, I mean, I think, uh, what was it? So the football game the other week was down downpouring snow uh so we were laughing because we had that outdoor game there was the the same thing it was snowing the whole game and it was to the point they bring out the uh shovels to clean the rink at like a tv timeout and by the time the shovels were getting off the ice you already couldn't see the ice again so it was pretty pretty tough to play but it was a pretty cool experience you probably didn't have the same experience that i did uh i was fortunate enough to skate on the ice out there uh, at that uh, rink, which was pretty cool before the before the game. I, I I skated when there were no fans in the stands. You skated with a bunch of fans. But the experience I was referring to specifically was I made the mistake of Ubering out to the stadium 
from downtown Buffalo where the, you know, the rest of the games were, I Ubered out there and then no, no Ubers wanted to bring me back because of the snow. Um, so yeah, it was quite the, uh, quite the trek. Uh, I should have, I guess it would have been my first time hitchhiking ever. If I was wise, yeah. enough. I needed, I needed a ride back from where is that orchard park, Dennis, is that where that is? Yes, Orchard Park, correct, Mary. Hit the nail right on the head. So. It's not it's not convenient to get back to downtown Buffalo from there. Let's just put it that way. Not at all. I did make it back though. Uh turning your attention more to recent times, just uh I, I wanted to just start with this one. There's all this talk about the LA Kings needing to acquire a left-handed defenseman, uh, rumors and whatnot. I know you guys read the clips and know what's out there. Do you ever think like, hey, man, what's what about me? Like, I'm not chopped liver over here. You know, uh, I'm holding down the fort on the left side. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's uh, like you said, people are always saying whatever. I think it's funny. It's hard to keep everyone happy when one thing's going good. They find something else to to want to fix. But uh, I mean, I, I think we got a lot of pieces within the organization that uh, all, all are capable of playing. Um, obviously, we got. I mean, a lot of right shot defensemen. Obviously, the handness is something uh, I know it's easier if you can play your surround side. So, um, I mean, people people will say what they want to say, but I, I still feel that uh, within our organization, within the room, um, all the guys, we at least, you know, we trust what we can do. We trust, uh, trust the group as a whole, and I, we feel like we're able to hold the fort down uh, collectively. You know, Mikey, uh, Mayor mentioned that uh, it's the second time on the show, but it's uh, it's a different Mikey Anderson that's visiting with us now. You're not that rookie anymore. You're playing 21 minutes a night. And there's a physicality to your game that has grown over since you come into the league. So what kind of training – I know you work out with your brother in the offseason. What kind of training uh, or either uh, nutrition – have you done anything to uh, um, to bulk up your, your physicality of your play? Yeah, it, uh, that long summer we had when uh, COVID shut down, uh, the, I forget what year that was. Was that three years ago? Time, um, time we is irrelevant back. now, Mikey. Ever since uh, exactly. the pandemic, yeah. it, just, it all is one big giant blur. I don't even know. Yeah, whenever, whenever we got sent home that year, uh, I talked with the uh, all the, the trainers and staff here, and um, we changed uh, the workout program back home a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, maybe change the diet, trying to eat more food or kind of tweak things a little bit. Um, and I think that was, you know, the first time I've had a, a very long extended training period, which was awesome for me and, and was perfect. That was something I needed uh, to focus on. Um, and then obviously, you know, putting on a little extra muscle, uh, you feel a little mm-hmm. bit more confident uh, being physical and, and kind of trying to add that aspect to, to my game. And it's something I've had, um, at past levels, but, uh, coming up through, through this one now, uh, took a little bit to get comfortable with it, but I've finally felt that it's something I've been able to contribute and something that uh, I want to keep doing to, to try and help the team. Look, just sort of building on that. Um, you know, I've been pretty fortunate to, to have covered your career since the time the Kings selected you. So I've seen you play big games, uh, both at the college level and the world junior level, like we were talking about. But for people who have followed your career only exclusively in the NHL, playoff Mikey, especially last year against Edmonton, playoff Mikey is different than regular season Mikey. Uh, although we're talking to you at a rather interesting time right now because your most recent game, it sort of felt like we were seeing playoff Mikey out there uh, to build on Dennis's point there. Do, do you... 
sort of feel that you ramp your game up uh, the bigger the moment, the bigger the stage, sort of the, the bigger the game that you play? I think I certainly try to. I feel like that's, uh, you know, everyone as an athlete, when you get the big moments, big games, uh, you want to make sure you're ready for it and, and try and step up to the challenge. Um, obviously, at the playoffs, it's fun. Um, I mean, you get, you got a serious year playing the, the same guys over the course of, of the week. So it's trying to, um, you know, implement what you can do, especially with uh, the role I have. It's trying to, to be hard to play against, letting them know that, um, you know, it's not going to be easy to, to try and score. So um, obviously that's something um, it was fun to experience and kind of kind of learn, learn on the fly. It's the first time I've been involved with a seven game series. So it's been fun to um, kind of go through it, talk with some of the older guys about um, kind of how to go about it game to game and in little, little ways you can try and help to, you know, maybe frustrate the other team's uh, top guys and, and make it hard on them. Mikey, uh, the Kings are an analytics-driven team, uh, but as a player, are there certain advanced statistics that maybe zone entries or uh, denying slots that, that you will pay attention to or the team wants you to pay attention to with respect to advanced statistics? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot out there now. I can tell you that I honestly don't know what half of them even mean. Um, <laughs> I know we'll, we'll talk we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk with uh, Jans a lot. Um, I mean, the, the big one that he um, kind of brings up with us is the high danger chances for versus against. Um, and every, I mean, it's not every day, but periodically he'll, he'll come in with a sheet and kind of go over it just to, you know, hope that we're, see where we're at. And he wants, I mean, obviously if you're on the plus side of it, it means you, you're out there for more good than bad. So um, I think that's, that's one we, we look at the most, but, uh, other than that, there's there's a lot of stuff that's going on with those, and uh, I mean, there's there's too much for me to even pay attention to, so I don't really look too much into it. But uh, I, I know a lot of people do. You mentioned talking to some of the other guys um, about different situations, and and you you noted quite a bit during your first year the conversations with Dowdy, and I don't think Drew's ever met a conversation that he doesn't want to be part of. Um, but what, what what do you and Drew still talk about specific to the game? What questions? do you still ask him or what advice is he still giving you at this point after, you know, multiple seasons of being partners together? Yeah. I mean, he, obviously he sees the game um, different from, I mean, most defensemen I think I've ever played with probably every defenseman I've played with. So it's, there'll still be little plays kind of throughout a game that happen, and uh, whether it's coming back and asking him what he saw or what he was trying to do, if it didn't work out or if I was in a bad spot, um, a lot of the little things like that, well, I mean, kind of those, those happen throughout a game, throughout a practice, but, uh, further than that, I mean, still just like some of the little skill work you'll do. Um, some of the stuff he does, you, you kind of watch him, ask him about why he does it uh, a certain way. And, um, sometimes he has a good answer. Sometimes he doesn't really know. He says he, he just has the, the natural ability to do it. So, uh, he's, he's funny one to learn from, but I mean, other than him, we've been, we've had uh Eddie now for two years and he's been huge to to work with even when when Ole was with us I mean I stayed out with Ole after practice most days and he would have something uh little for the for us to work on and um I mean all these guys that have been around for a while have been been big for me uh to start my career with you know Mikey it's been a a season so far a lot of inconsistency I know we talked to you a lot about it uh nine eight games seven six games but you would think that that Boston victory 
was kind of the turning point here. The team has more of an identity like it was last year with the respect to controlling it and controlling. But, but Todd goes back to the Buffalo game, and he said, you know, when you look at the score, it says 6 nothing. But you guys played really good in this first two periods. Couldn't find a way to score and then collapsed in the third. So what happened here the last couple of games is just a recommitment to maybe not cheating, playing more honest game, not going up the ice and not assuming you're going to win puck battles. What, what's changed here over the last three games that the team has been a lot tighter defensively? I think a big part of it is uh, sticking with it. I mean, if one thing's going the wrong way, uh, if you, let's say we take the Buffalo game, like we give up the one goal on the five on three, um, whatever happens, then give up another goal. And I think it was maybe 10 seconds later or whatever, we, right. we give up the third goal. Um, everything kind of unraveled quick. But, it, um, I mean, we talk about you give up a goal, the next shift is, you know, one of the most important shifts of the game. Not not necessarily needing to, to go score right away, but try and get a little momentum back or, or make sure, sure. That they don't uh, can continue. And I think that's a thing we talk about in the room is the follow-up shift and, um, you know, maybe the team, you know, puts a little pressure on us for four or five minutes and it's finding a way to get through it, take a breath, reset, and, and try and give a pushback uh, whenever we, we get a little momentum back on our side. Uh, and I think sometimes the penalty kill can do that. I mean, we had a few big kills, the uh, Boston game, sure. obviously the overtime in San Jose. So um, that's something we, we want to improve on as a team. But, um, you know, having big moments like that, I think build confidence, uh, not only in the penalty kill, but throughout the, the bench, the, the room, the lineup, and uh, gives us confidence to, to go out there and play again. Just to keep picking at this thread about talking and communicating with other guys, I'm curious, Sean Dersey, who's trying to make the transition from pre- predominantly playing on the right side over to playing on the left side, d- does he come to you? Does he ask you questions about seeing certain things or different reads? Is that a is that even a conversation that you guys have? Yeah, we've we've done it a, a little bit. I mean, the way we play uh, our system, um, we try to be very predictable for everyone on the ice. So, I mean, especially kind of from our neutral zone into breakouts, uh, if you're like the left defense, then uh, you end up in different spots than uh, where you would be if you were the right defense. And so I think when he was switching, coming over to the left side, he was asking little questions about kind of positioning and um, kind of where to be or where to go after a play happens. Um, but obviously it, things are different with him being a righty because there's certain plays. I mean, he's picking up pucks on the wall different than I would and um, coming through the neutral zone. Like he's, he's got, uh, it's a more difficult task, uh, especially the kind of offensively when you get the puck. Um, but he's obviously got enough skill to be able to do it. And uh, I think he's been, I mean, he's, he's been doing a pretty good job. He, we laugh because there'll be certain plays. There's not much he can do and being able to, you know, at least advance the puck a little bit or, or make a, the, the most out of uh, the situation. He's done, done a pretty good job with it. Okay, enough of the hardcore questions. Let's have some fun, Mikey. Um, you, and you mentioned Dursey. You and Dursey did an interview in September on NHL Network. And Sean said that you are the best golfer on the team. Now, I think maybe Andre or maybe Drew might take exception to that. But, in fact, are you, are you the best golfer on the team, Mikey? I, I'd say it's a coin flip between me and Kopi. Uh, depends okay. depends on the day. Okay. <laughs> Drew 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 will try and fight it, but there's Drew's Drew's not close. He's he's got to do he's got to do a little work still. <laughs> does he at least out. look good when he shows up at the course, or or does he look like he just rolled out of bed and his clothes don't match? 
No, he he got he's got the full Under Armour get up every time he comes to the course. So he's he's got his he's got his clothes in line. Uh, Mikey, uh, you've had the opportunity here over the last uh, six to twelve months to to sort of get to see some of the younger kids put their stuff on display. Um, you know, you're not quite the veteran on the team looking looking down at the youngsters. You're closer to age than them, uh, but. When you see a guy like Jordan Spence come in and have some fun, or when you see a guy like Brant Clark come in and just the level of fun and excitement that uh, a kid like Clark uh, brings, what does that what does that do for you? And and what are you looking at? What are you observing when you're seeing these younger players coming in and trying to find their way, you know, into the NHL? Yeah, I mean, last year was being able to watch Spenny. I mean, come in and do his stuff. Dirk was able to to come play. Um, and then Clarkie this year, I mean, it's, uh, it's fun to see, I mean, they say they're younger than me, they're what, two, three years younger than me. So it's not like it's a big difference at all, but it, it feels <laughs> almost feels like there is, uh, yes. but, uh, I mean, they, they got a different energy than, you know, what Drew might have. I mean, they're both excited be, being at the rink, but, uh, you know, Drew comes to the rink coming from uh wife and, and three kids, whereas you got, Clarky showing up with nothing to, to worry about except himself. So, I mean, everyone's got the, the different part of life, but uh, it's fun to kind of see how they look at the game. I mean, some of the younger guys seem to be a little more open to, to trying some crazy stuff uh, on their rink, whether it's a, a little play, uh, especially Clarky. He's not afraid to try and to do something a little bit flashy that uh, kind of makes you clench up for a second, but somehow he pulls it off. So it's, it's fun to have, um, a guy like that who has that much skill and is uh, not afraid to to let it out and show it and kind of brings a, a different uh, vibe and energy to uh, to the locker room and to the group. All right, give give us one good Clarky moment, something funny, maybe even away from the rink uh, that he's asked you or that he's yeah, I guess that he's asked you uh, as he's tried to integrate into SoCal life because everything is new to him at this particular point in time, right? So, what, what's a what's a funny Clarky moment? Oh, I got to think. I, mean, I think he, I was laughing because he said he was getting his truck shipped out here. And it's been, he's been saying that since the day he got here and his truck hasn't come. So I still don't know if he has a car. Um, is, is that like the guy in high school who has the girlfriend, but she lives in a different state and you never see her? Yeah. Like he, he keeps going. It's, it's on the way. My parents sent it. It's, it still hasn't come. So I don't, I don't know if he's just waiting to if he actually has it or he's just uh he's got everyone on the ropes right now but uh i'm trying to think that might so yeah that's a good one yeah yeah and so so my in, in doing the exhaustive research for this interview i, I feel i found that we want to have one thing in common and probably the only thing we have in common uh, given the scrumptious in our age is we're both dog people so i know you, you have a dog back home right in minnesota is that right yep yep and and you FaceTime? Do you FaceTime with the dog when when you're at home on an off day? Yeah, like all. I mean, I I left the ring today actually, and I was uh, called my dad uh, on the way home, and whenever the phone rings, she found finally learned that uh, usually it's me or my brother coming over the phone. Then, <laughs> so okay. once it starts raining, she starts starts freaking out, goes and grabs a toy waiting to see who it is. And then you start yelling her name and, and she somehow knows it's us on the phone every time. So it's, it's like funny to see how she learned uh, over the past couple of years, what FaceTime is. Uh, dog's name and breed. Uh, Lucy, golden retriever. 
Oh, beautiful. I got two Goldens at home, too. And, uh, so. We got a yeah. – uh, we found her through – I forget. We had uh, like a little uh, family in like northern Minnesota that uh, was breeding the dogs. And uh, she actually got born on my birthday, too. So now we, we share the same birthday. Oh. So every year it's all about her now. And I <laughs> get a little less attention, but that's okay. I don't, I don't need it. It, it was Jack Johnson, former Kings defenseman, who once told me that birthdays don't matter after the age of 21. I don't know why that's always stuck with me, but uh, it was the most random comment that he made. And it had to do with <laughs> I was I remember standing. It was at uh, TSPC. I was standing talking to somebody else, probably Matt Green. I don't remember specifically who. And the reporter in the stall next to him had asked him something about, oh, you know, today or tomorrow's your birthday or whatever. Do you have any big plans? And Jack just looked at him with this death stare and told him that, uh, yeah, after you're 21, after your 21st birthday, birthdays don't matter. And there was there, The guy had no follow up question to that. So uh, it's always it's always stuck with me. Um, speaking of death stare, let's talk about Todd McClellan for just a second. Coaches to the media, right? We see a different side of the coaches than what you guys see as players. And one of the things that uh, uh, strikes a lot of media members uh, as interesting is that coaches will sometimes throw you for a loop. Uh, they're in a, a good mood after a loss sometimes, and they're in a bad mood after a win sometimes, um, just because they see the game differently. There have been, I would say, several moments this season when Todd has had every reason to be frustrated. Is there a particular game or a particular moment where you remember him being particularly frustrated this season? Um, not that I can pinpoint. I mean, yeah, don't say daily. One, the, don't, don't, don't say daily. It's not, uh, it's yeah, not yeah, stuff yeah, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I guess it's all kind of situational to, to how the game's going. I mean, as a coach, obviously they're going to see it different than, than we do as players. But I, if you look at the Seattle game, when it all of a sudden it's eight, eight and we're going to overtime. I mean, you're you're coming in after the second period and it's a I think what was it eight six at that point like mm -hmm. I mean there's not much you can do to really at that point we're still in a two goal game and that's kind of the way to look at it so I mean you don't know what's going to happen if you know we're going to get um, you know yelled at a little try and fire us up or or how the how it's going to go I mean that's part of the reason what what the coaches uh, do well is trying to you know read the situation on if it's a good time bad time or what they need to do. Um, and on the flip side of that, it's us trying to um, respond to, to what they give us and, and try and find a way to, to win the game. I mean, we're all, we're all pulling the same rope, trying to get the job done together. So uh, collectively, I think it's a, a bit of a mix, but it's, uh, it'd be tough to be a coach. I mean, I, I don't know how they, how they do it every day. They, they watch a lot of hockey and you got to pinpoint, uh, you know, little aspects each day on what, uh, what needs to be cleaned up or, or looked at uh, as a group. Mikey, we might have to pull a yellow card on you here because, uh, you know, that's that's important this time of the year with the World Cup, because one of the things that you were known for previously were great answers and not giving cliches. You've worked a couple of them in, including pulling on the rope in the same direction. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go back and listen to this audio after we're done. And we're gonna future coach. She, yeah, I want to get your coach. I, I guess we're hearing that we're, we're hearing that one too much in the room now. <laughs> that, that must be could, right. be, could be could be could be a good thing though. Could be a good thing. <laughs> it, could, it could be because getting everybody pulling in the same direction right now would be good. Um, be, it would be nice to get some consistency out of this team this season. Yeah, and, and talking about being in the room, Mikey. Mikey, now you have to tell us after every home victory, we, the room opens and we hear 
take on me by aha. Who's responsible for that? Uh, who was I? I think it. Uh, we have a different song we play first. That one comes on second. But I think it was Cali's is DJ. I think he picked it. But I I think Kofi said he heard the first time we play before uh, Gomer comes in and turns off the music and wrecks the party. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I think Kopi found the one this year uh, before that, and then I think okay. they, they decided to throw in a little old school after, but uh, they'll, they'll, I think everyone likes the old school, so it's fun to have a little mix of a, a new song and then an older one. Well, what's the first song? Because it's 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 Take On Me by the time the uh, room opens for us, so we don't get to hear the other song. The, the like, I'm Blue, I don't know if it's Blue, maybe the baby, it's like Baby Rexa and Sir David Gett or something like that. Yeah, it's a- like a remix to a old. I I don't know the name of it. I I know how it goes, but I couldn't. Mayor's play. never gonna know the name with those artists, Mikey. <laughs> Mayor's never gonna know what that song is. There's I'm no tapping, chance. I'm, I'm tapping know. out right now. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had you ever even heard "Take on Me"? Because there's a there's a generational thing going on here, Mikey. Um, Aha was like you know you you. I don't even know. You Eight. might have not even been born yet. No, I I I'm a I'm a I I, I was I talked to. Uh, Jim Hiller the other day about music because we are I think we had some Def Leppard playing in the room and I was saying in a lot he goes you know this stuff and I was like telling him I, I I grew up I grew up listening to it like my my dad was uh mom and dad loved the old time rock old country so uh everyone will like come like I'll hang out with all my friends in the summer and we're golfing and we're playing old rock old country like Alan Jackson and then someone random will come by and like like how the hell do you guys know this stuff and I was like I grew up listening to it like for me it's just normal but uh, a lot of people get kind of shocked by if i ever played any kind of uh rap or borderline you know hip-hop song my mom made me turn it off right away so i never uh never got into it as much yeah well i i'm not too fond of some of the uh, music that kopi's into so you know uh, i i had more in common with guys previously like Matt Green had some good musical taste. Uh, Kevin Westgarth. Uh, these are all guys that were before your time here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but uh, we'll we'll have to see if we can work up some Def Leppard into this episode. If not, we'll we'll play some Def Leppard just for you uh, on an episode coming up soon. I had already pre-cut the music before we were recording today, and Def Leppard didn't make the cut, so maybe maybe I'll go back yeah. and recut something for you. Uh, th- that Perfect. is the that's the <laughs> high note of the interview. We could have ended right there, but you mentioned Jim Hiller, and so I don't want to let you run. Uh, we're, we're probably going to be talking to Hiller here, uh, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. So tell, tell us something about Jim Hiller. You know, uh, I know you don't have a tremendous amount of time on the power play, but being around Jim Hiller, spending time with him, him, you know, coming on board as a coach, what, what's your impression of Jim Hiller? Give us some tidbits. Yeah, I think he's, he's fitting really well. Obviously, uh, he works power play and with the forwards more so, so I don't, uh, work with him, um, so much uh day to day but um i mean he he came in he fits the culture and everything we we got going right now and um you know right from day one uh he felt like a good match around the room at least from what i saw um but uh we've gotten along super well like uh, uh i mean he'll come in kind of give we'll talk about uh maybe a player too offensively or something that happened but uh more so just kind of day-to-day stuff but i think he's he's done a good job with the power play obviously uh um, you know, kind of just a change for everyone to maybe a couple different looks, different plays, the way things get run, um, which has been uh, been good. And it, I think it kind of, you know, 
frees things up a little bit for guys to kind of start thinking a little differently, maybe from uh, what we were doing in the past. All right, Mikey. Number 44, episode number 144, uh, visit number two to Kings of the Podcast. I, I would give you an A for this one. Good job. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Mikey. We'll Thanks, talk Mikey. to you soon. Happy holidays. And uh, we look forward to this 10-game winning streak the Kings are about to go on. So congratulations in advance. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. All right, Mikey. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Mikey yeah. Anderson. We'll be back right after the break. Talk more LA Kings hot. to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the mayor. Here we go, third period. Welcome back. And uh, thanks again to Mikey Anderson for jumping in and having a chat with us there. And uh, a more, I mean, he's always mature, but uh, yes. you could tell a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more settled in as an NHL player there, Dennis. Yeah, he, he's certainly more assured of himself uh, at, at this point. And you can see um, last night he wasn't too pleased with uh, Max Comtois, which was... Uh, Great to see. But, yeah, this is an established player now who believes he just has ultimate faith in himself, and he's had it all the way through, John, from you know from being a, a later-round draft pick to now playing 21 minutes a night, and he's on the verge. We didn't talk about it, but on, on the verge of a contract, um, which should be sizable. It should be you know life-changing for him. So it's good to see because this is the emergence of a player who's been drafted and developed through the system, and you know it's the perfect example of a homegrown player. Yeah, and he uh, he just brings such a tremendous maturity and leadership to that defensive group, especially with so many of those younger players in there. Um, he's he, he's a he's a phenomenal player and, and an underrated. I don't know if I would say underappreciated, but certainly underrated player. And uh, of course, Drew Doughty gives him the seal of approval as well. And Drew right. is is not always quick to uh, give the seal of approval to players, but uh, he enjoys playing with with Mikey Anderson. Um, any other key points that stick out for you? I, I love that he threw Drew under the bus with the Under Armour um, uh, gear. The golf, yes. <laughs> yeah, the golf, the golf yeah. talk there. Yeah, and just we have to get to the bottom. Who's the DJ in there picking out these these songs? Because uh, well, no, he said it was Cal Peterson. Cal well, is the goalie. It was Cal, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not the goalie. Cal is the DJ or was the, the DJ? DJ. Uh, okay. But yeah, I don't know what that first song. I have no idea what he was talking about. He was talking a different language. Yeah, BB Rexa. Yeah, I know that's a. I, I, know. I don't know what that is. So you want to figure out some blue song or was yeah, was the artist uh, blue or the song was blue? The song was blue. BB Rexa is the artist, and I think I, it was, okay. it's a collab. <laughs> and they always do these collabs now with all these. Okay. Three sure. different artists on the same show. But I'll before the next episode, I will effort that and get you the actual song. All right. Uh, I did have somebody uh, tweet at me recently saying that um, they wanted us to play more social distortion and face-to-face -face on the podcast. I don't know how we could possibly play more face-to-face -face because I feel no. like face-to-face -face and the interrupters um, are two bands in regular rotation. It has They're been a while. They're the house bands for, yes. for Kings of the Podcast. What are you talking about? Absolutely. And nothing wrong with that. But uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong. I have no problem. Exactly. 
given uh, given three nights of social D in Vegas and DB this week, mm-hmm. three nights of social D in LA at the wow. Bronco theater. So wow. yeah, it's coming up. You're uh, not going to OD on social D. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and then even wow. more shows next month in San Diego. Holy so wow. um, no, I think, uh, I think the record I'm up to about 120 plus shows in total, but I think the record was wait, when wait, we wait. did. You've seen them 120 times. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. The cult wow. is at around 75. So that's 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 coming up on 100 at some point. Wow. But yeah, 120 for Social D. Um, and if I remember correctly, there was one year where it was like it was over 15. They mm-hmm. did. I, I want to say 18 nights. They did at the House of Blues in L.A. Okay. I could be wrong between L.A. and Anaheim, between the two shows. They, and I think I went to 15 of the 18. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the exact numbers. But I, that means um, I only have to do like 119 Ontario rain games to tie your <laughs> mark for social D. Okay. I take a while. You, you might want to get on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's talk defensively. Uh, it, it's such a work in progress. Uh, we talked about Mikey Anderson playing alongside mm-hmm. Drew Doughty. That is... Uh, that's the stable pair among among yes. the four. Um, Sean Dersey, Matt Roy, um, any any additional commentary or updated commentary since the last episode or no? No, I think it's just have to. I was just curious. No, I just I think a little bit more patience um, okay. about play, playing them. I just you need Sean in the lineup. He provides offense that, you know, for a replacement player like, uh, let's say, Bjornfoot wouldn't wouldn't provide or Movari wouldn't apply for you. It's, it's a team defense thing anyway, John. And now all of a sudden, I don't know when the light went on, but they, they're now more committed not to cheating, playing more an honest game. He went over that with, with, with Mikey, right? They're not, when it's a 50, 50 puck, they're not leaving the zone. They're staying there making sure they got possession. So I just think structurally they're playing a better game and, and, that goes for everybody. That goes for the war fours and defense, but yeah, nothing further. I just, I want to see where we are at game 50 with the, with these combinations and see if Rob does do anything at the tread deadline. Um, but uh, look, if they play like this more responsible and they just make better decisions on the ice, don't take big risks. And I get it. It's big risk, big reward, but that, that doesn't really work in this league to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's also not get overly excited. They beat the Anaheim Ducks. Um, it is three wins in a row, though, right? Uh, you talked earlier on uh, the last episode about an inflection point in what's happening. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the next three games that are coming up, these are three important games at with yeah. three different levels of competition. They're going to be playing Calgary. This is a team that they're ahead of in the standings. And if they can beat Calgary, that, again, creates some separation, the proverbial four-point games in the in, in the division. Mm-hmm. back-to-back games as well coming up and the second half of that back-to-back comes on the road so they're going to be yeah. going into arizona um the coyotes will be wearing their reverse retro jerseys as i think i mentioned earlier so that's interesting but my point here is you need to win again you need to beat the teams you're supposed to beat so you need to win that game even though it's on the second night of a back-to-back so if you beat calgary yeah. you still need to go into arizona and beat arizona because yep. if you lose to arizona it's like one step forward two steps back right then you're going to get a couple day break for the holiday. Mm-hmm. And then you have Vegas coming on the 27th. And that really, I think regardless of what happens over the next couple of games, Dennis, I think that's going to kind of be the benchmark game to see where this team is. And then after that, things get a little bit easier schedule wise. Philly. Uh, uh, I mean, well, not immediately because they have to play Colorado first before yeah. they get to the flyers on the new year's Eve uh, a fun game that that will be another reverse retro game. And John Tortorella comes to town. No better way to ring in the new year DB than with torts. No, no, exactly. But here's, here's the pivotal game for me, John. 
the Arizona game, and here's why. Oh, I agree. I, I, I assume that Phoenix Copley is going to play against Calgary. That means after sitting out for five games, Jonathan Quick's going to go back in net in Arizona. I, I want to see how he performs. And I talked to Todd about that today. You know, Todd has been great about not, not throwing the goalies under the bus and saying, we're going to need all three guys and Cal eventually come back up. And I want to see how, because John, I think this is the first time in, in his career, maybe very, very early that Jonathan Quick set out five consecutive games, not due to injury. And, and how is he going to deal with that? And there's going to be some rust. And now there's more pressure because the other guy is now the guy for the moment. Like, how does he perform? So that's a really pivotal game for Quick because if he doesn't have a good game, then what? So let me let me, let me go a different him. direction yeah. though. I'm go not ahead. so sure that I would agree with you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not so sure that I would agree with you that it's a given that 29 is in there against Calgary. I'm wondering if he goes to Quick because Quickie will want to play against Daryl. Hmm. I, I don't think he has the liberty. I don't think he has the luxury of making that decision. I think it's it's the coaching thing because he's not earned that he's lost his spot. He's not the starting goalie anymore. It's now it's it's not been more clear than any point in time in the last three seasons that John's now the number two. Like and mm-hmm. he's got to win his and he's going to fight to get his job. And you know, and knowing Jonathan Quick the way we do, John, he's going to fight. The fight starts whenever he plays the next game. Yeah, because he's got to he's got to play well. I'm not saying he got to get a result. He has to play well. He has to play a comparable game to what Copley's giving him right now, which is, I joke around, the guy doesn't move much. He just kind of stands there and stops the puck. And he's got <laughs> a couple of big saves, but he he's the opposite of the other two play, goalies. Like, mm-hmm. he, the economy of movement doesn't move around much. There's not a lot of rebounds. The team's played better in front of him. Now, if you get – so the interesting dynamic, John, is if you get the current Kings for this week playing in front of Jonathan Quick, how does he fare? Because they're a better defensive team. They're more. They're, there's more structure. They're more reliable. Like they're not making bad decisions. So it's 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 an important game. It's crazy. It sounds with all he's done in his career. This is a this is an important game for Jonathan Quick in my eyes. It, it is whatever important. he plays. If it's Thursday or Friday, but he's no, got to. Yeah. Go ahead. No. I'm, go please. It, it, it is important. I, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I, I'm absolutely agreeing with you. And. It wouldn't surprise me to see Copley back in there on Thursday because the Calgary game is the more important game of the two. If you think about sort of long-term, the team that the Kings are going to be trying to fend off is the Calgary Flames more than the Arizona Coyotes this season. And so from that standpoint, they need those, again, four points, if you will, by by beating the Flames. And so that game is more important. And given the recent body of work, Copley would be the guy that you would go to. I just wonder, McClellan still is that old school coach and that guy who relies heavily on his veterans and and can be stubborn at times. Uh, and that's not always a negative, right? I mean, you know, guys are loyal to their coaches, yeah. players, coaches, you know, for those type of reasons. But uh, it will be interesting. To, I'm very, very curious is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm very curious yeah. because I could make the argument 51% either way. I couldn't make an argument 80% of the way either way. I, I could see this going either direction. So I'm very curious of who gets to start on Thursday, knowing that the other goaltender is going to get the start on yeah. uh, Friday. Agreed. If those, Agreed. if those yep. are the days of the week, Dennis, I'm uh, much like the months and the years. It's just, they, they all blend together. But uh, Look, I think, I think the games blur. are on Thursday and Friday. Is that correct? They are. That's correct. It's one big okay. blur though, John. You're right about that. <laughs> it is. It's one, one big giant blur. Uh, so you're going on the record. Then you think, you think he's going to Copley and you think there's no question about it. Yeah, I think he'll go to Copley. It's the more important game. He's playing the better goaltender. And then you would let John 
not an easier game because Arizona is tough to play on the road. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be Copley and quick. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't even get a chance to ask Mikey about that. Like the fans love to make a big deal about, uh, the fact that the coyotes are playing in a college building. Do the players even care? Do the players talk about it? Is it something, uh, I'm sure it will become a storyline, uh, going into later in the week. Uh, it'll, it'll be something that's discussed quite heavily. It's probably the standard question that gets asked, uh, by the Arizona, uh, media there with the, when the visiting team comes in, I would have to imagine. So we can look out for those quotes soon, DB. Yeah, and plus, they're on a back-to-back, so they're not going to spend a lot of time. Like, they're not going to have a day it's off true. and practice there. So they're going to travel, do a morning skate, and then play on Friday. So there's less time to spend there. But I went there, and I was there for opening night. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. If Kings fans want to go over and try to get – and tickets are probably sold out because there's a lot of – we know how Kings fans travel. But I had a great time there. It's right in, in Tempe. It's right on campus. It's clean. It's a brand-new arena. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles that, that Crypto.com has, but it was a really nice experience because it's like going to a, a juniors or a high school game. There's one bowl, one lower bowl. The sight lines are great, and uh, it's a it's a unique atmosphere but that, for me, was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be checking out a new arena myself pretty soon. Uh, next week, I'll be going out to the desert and checking out mm-hmm. the Rainer playing yeah. Coachella Valley, Dennis. Uh, I'm not oh, even going to yeah. ask you if you ever plan on going out there because that's even further than uh than ontario but the rain are going to make their their season debut uh at the new coachella valley arena out there yeah well my my buddy jason page i do work with on uh, sports map radio jason lives in in palm springs or palm desert and went went to the arena and said he had a great time beautiful building great sight lines uh, and an entertaining game so you should have a lot of fun because he said that it was uh i said oh, good for you that you went not so much. I'm not going <laughs> now, that now, Dennis, far I don't, east on the 10. I don't know if you, you saw the straight drive, Joe, John. I go right on the 10 and straight out. There's not like straight four, out all the way, straight out. There's I don't know if different you... turns like to get to Ontario. <laughs> no, it's straight. It's a straight, shot. straight uh, shot. I don't know if you saw the the picture on Twitter the other day. Coachella Valley Firebirds jerseys, two fans, 20 Robitaille yes, and 23 Dunn Brown. I about hit the roof. I just yeah, don't know I'm what sure. I don't know what to I'm, do anymore, Dennis. How, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm sure you so were screaming at home about that. I, I don't get that. Like, totally don't. Like, there's no connection. Not okay. I can see a thread. There's no connection. It's, it's like not the, the same organization. It's like when Gretzky was the coach in Arizona a long time ago. People probably forgot about that. Um, and you would see Coyotes jerseys, 99 Gretzky, yeah. and it's like. No, he was the coach. He was not a player. He never but wore that's that jersey. closer than this one. I mean, it's like, closer. Guys, it's closer. Yeah, not, because Dustin Brown. I don't even know yeah. if he's been to Palm Springs. Uh, we'll have to get him I, on the podcast and, and ask him if he even zero. knows where Coachella Valley is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like if I it's like if you were wearing a uh, Matthew Stafford Broncos jersey. Like now, there's no connection. Yeah, <laughs> there is the Gretzky '99 Rams jersey that I saw at LA oh, Live that no, one wow. year. I tweet that periodically, yeah, um, so okay. that that's interesting. Fantastic. And I've always wanted to get to the bottom of the '99 Bengals jersey, Cincinnati Bengals Gretzky '99 jersey. Uh, I tweet that picture out every once in a while too. The Rams <laughs> one, I don't, I don't approve of it, but again, I at least understand. I don't understand. I don't even know why I'm saying there's, there's a city I connection. He played in the city, maybe. Cincinnati Bengals maybe. 99 Gretzky. I do not get no, at all. But there's no Brown or Robitaille connection to Coachella Valley. Well, there's no. at least a, there's a Robitaille connection. Sure there is, which is uh-huh. Luke Robitaille was the man behind the scenes who helped orchestrate. He worked okay. tirelessly, seriously, to help get the AHL West to happen. 
So you wouldn't have mm-hmm. the San Diego Gulls, the Ontario Rain, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, the 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 Bakersfield Condors. You wouldn't have the yeah. AHL West without Robitaille pushing that agenda. I wrote a big article about it. I tweeted it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Somebody should look it up. Um, seriously, great, great stuff on there from Well, then you should Luke. wear a suit with his name on the back because he did it as a suit, <laughs> yes. not as a player. I'm just trying to make sense of it, Dennis, because it doesn't I, I, make sense. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a, the smallest of threads that connects it, John. You're correct. It's the smallest of threads. Good, good for Paul. I don't know. No, I don't. I no. don't. But you're right. You should be like, there's no, please. Well, hopefully I see those who, who fans again. Who thought of that, John? John, it, that's it. I, I want that would be, those are the guys I want on my jersey. I want to see those okay. fans again, and I want to ask them uh, for the backstory. So yeah. perhaps I'll be able to report to you later what the backstory is on that. They're probably day. listeners of the podcast, and they'll probably reach out to you. And okay, well, great. You if you're listening to this podcast, please uh, let's meet up before the game or send me an email. Let me know what the reason behind that is, and I'll be happy to explain the story. Dennis, there's a lot of good stuff happening besides the L.A. Kings and their uh, you know, quest for a playoff spot and their upcoming schedule. You also have Team USA and Team Canada oh, yeah. gearing up for the world junior championships we could talk more about that perhaps on a future episode but uh everybody needs to go to their dvr and take a look at the nhl network because nhl network is going to again provide detailed coverage you can watch yes. a ton of the games the tournament begins on december 26th boxing day in canada the day after christmas here in uh in california or america uh and uh on again get the days right here on wednesday uh you had team usa defeating soundly defeating Sweden and Kenny Connors this in the pre-tournament action. I should qualify this, right? The pre-tournament games, each team plays a, you know, a couple, couple of pre-tournament games and uh, Kenny Connors, who is uh, an LA Kings draft pick from last summer. He made it onto the club and they're doing this different thing this year, Dennis, where um, they have 25, a roster of 25, but you really only have a roster of 23 the 24th and 25th player are, are just, they're designated, they're traveling with you, they're extras, but you can't rotate them in and out like you could. Um, so in, in during the COVID years of the uh-huh. World Juniors, there were expanded rosters and every team sort of had extra players and you could rotate them in and out. It's not the case with this. So Connors, as a fourth line, sort of a bubble player to make the team, he's in the group of 25. He's at the World okay. Juniors, but... You have to wait until I believe it's Friday. They have to submit the final group of it's like it's like twenty three plus two. So if you're so one of the plus practice players, is that only well, it, you're you're yeah, you're kind of like on a taxi squad that if somebody okay. gets injured or injured. you know suspended okay. or whatever and is removed, then it's you know next man up. That's the guy. But you want to make sure that Connors gets into that initial group of twenty three. You would have to think that with his performance, scoring a goal in the last game, and he's been really good for Team USA in camp as well. You think that Connors is part of the twenty-three, but okay, nothing so is set until the roster. My, my question is: so it's not it, like you can't swap players out just on a coach's decision. It's got to no. be a suspension or injury. Okay, right. Which it. so again, you have twenty-three, so there are going to yep. be guys that are scratched every night. Right. So you can sure. rotate within the 23, but the 24th and 25th guy, 25th you can't, you can't, they can only like go taxes. in due to suspension or due to, you know, Makes other, sense. you know, you know, injuries or, or whatever. So my point is, while it's an honor to be number 24 or 25 because you made the cut, it's not really super cool because you want to be part of the 23. That sure. gives you the best chance of playing. So uh, Kenny mm-hmm. Connors, of course, playing for Team USA, representing the LA Kings. The Kings are looking to have three total players in the World Juniors, which is down quite a bit from the eight or nine of, of recent years. Uh, you have also Otto Salin uh, in Finland. 
Uh, so, of course, you'll have Christian Rutu, who will be excited to watch him. And then um, there's this kid named Brant Clark who's playing for Team Canada, Dennis, and getting some power yes. play time as well. People might have heard yes. of him before. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to see Brant Clark because he needs to play, John. Absolutely. So it's great that we get back in action. One of the weird things about the schedule, though, is that uh, we're not getting the New Year's Eve spectacular of Canada mm-hmm. versus the U.S. on New Year's Eve, which is typically the marquee game of uh, the preliminary round, for those that aren't familiar with the World Juniors Tournament, uh, you you play four games in the preliminary round and then basically uh, based upon the standings in Group A and Group B, which would be like the Eastern and Western Conference to, to make it mm-hmm. NHL related, um, there's crossover playoffs that take place. So the single elimination playoff games begin after that. Um, and then, you know, you have the, uh, the semifinals and then the finals. So the preliminary games are important because that's where you do all the seating. And USA and Canada... Uh, our common opponents on New Year's Eve, which is the end of the the uh, mm-hmm. the preliminary. So it starts the 26th, right. goes to the 31st, and then the playoffs begin. But um, this year, the U.S. is going to play Finland on New Year's Eve, and the U.S. just beat Finland in their preliminary game. They beat Sweden most recently, but the game before that, mm-hmm. they beat Finland. So, uh, And the U.S. and the Finns, if you're not familiar with this, they've developed quite a rivalry at the World Juniors, yeah. including... Pesky Finns, yeah. Well, including Rasmus Kapari and uh, yeah. Finland stealing the gold medal, stealing this, right. the gold stealing. medal from Team USA at the World Juniors in Vancouver. What a fantastic tournament. One of my favorites ever. Not quite as fun as Buffalo uh, that we talked about earlier with Mikey. But this year, the sure. tournament is in Halifax and uh, Moncton, which is clear on the other side of Canada. And next sure year, is. it'll be off to Sweden. Fortunately, my passport is up to date, Dennis. That's so, good, uh, That's good. Headed to Sweden for next next year for oh, the World Juniors. That's the, the plan, guy. at least. Oh, that's going to be great for sure. Dennis, what do you uh, what do you what do you want to do in terms of giving out gifts? How about if we do this? Um, why don't we save this for the next episode since we're going to do three here in a row? Okay. Why don't we bring back the tradition of what we, I'll put you on the spot right now instead of talk to you about it later? Let's do it live on the air um, for the next episode. Why don't mm-hmm. we do? bring back our, our gift giving. So we will give one gift to each LA Kings player, any gift that you want. And we will just alternate like we did that one year. Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll flip a coin. We'll see who starts. We'll begin with number two for Alex Edler and we'll just go down the roster and we'll give out gifts. What do you think? That sounds great. Let's do it. All right. Well, we had fun last time. So I think we should do that again. Yeah, we need, to, we need to bring back some of those things. Dennis, fantastic episode. A lot of fun talking about this uh, offensive juggernaut that is the LA Kings and a great conversation with Mikey Anderson. And uh, I think we'll be doing it again real soon. Sounds great, John. Great episode. Let's get to do it again. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. country